So I read a story about a farmer, and this farmer was walking in his fields one day, and he was walking along the edge of his field where the forest met the field, and he came across a very strange sight. He came across a baby eagle that had fallen out of its nest. And this is a true story. Um, he had fallen out, so he, he picked up the eagle, and he couldn't find where the nest was. He couldn't see where it was supposed to go. So he picked it up, and he took it back to his barnyard. And there at his farm, he didn't really know what to do with an eagle, and so he started feeding it chicken feed. And this eagle, it, it ate up the chicken feed. It, it ate a lot of the chicken feed. In fact, it started to imitate the other chickens who were in the barnyard eating the chicken feed. And pretty soon it started to behave just like a chicken, walking around the barnyard, pecking at the chicken feed that was there. As the eagle grew, you can imagine, it dwarfed the other chickens. And you can actually go online. There's videos of eagles walking around. Their talons are so big. They're like big and clumsy and clunky. They're not made to be walking around, right? They're made to be flying. But this eagle pretty much behaved just like all the other chickens because that's what it was conditioned to do. Well, one day, a naturalist, this, you know, kind of nature dude came along the farm and he saw this crazy sight of this giant eagle pretending to be a chicken. And he asked the farmer, how did the king of all birds come to live his life like a chicken in this little barnyard? And the farmer explained that since he had given it chicken feed from the time it was born, really, since he'd known it, and put it around all the other chickens there, it never even tried to fly. It just kind of went along with the flow and pretty much just acted like a chicken. He didn't even need to clip his wings. The eagle was pretty much a chicken. I'm sure that you are all astute enough to pick up where this little story is going. Um, but today we are going to celebrate a little bit of God's goodness, who He is, what He has done for us, how He provides for us in every way. And this sermon is meant to be a little bit of an appetizer for next week's sermon when Pastor Tim is going to come back and relaunch us into the Sermon on the Mount series. So I'm just going to give us a little sample of the same exact passage that we're going to look at next week, and hopefully we'll lay some foundation for it, and then Pastor Tim will exposit it more deeply as he goes in. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, starting in verse 25, a very famous section of Scripture, and we're going to read through the passage, verses 25 through 34, and hopefully as we zero in on one very specific set of truths, we'll unlock an understanding and foundation for next week that Pastor Tim will then build upon. So as you turn to Matthew 6, 25, I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for your Son, Jesus, and for your Holy Spirit, and for your Word, 
Lord, you have given us so much over and over, and we don't often think about it. We don't often stop and appreciate who you are and what you have done. And so today, Lord, I pray that we would be able to slow down and we would be able to focus on you. Lord, I pray right now that you would fill me with your spirit and speak through me that that the words that I speak would be yours. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would prepare our hearts to be reminded of who you are and who we are as your children. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew 6, 25 to 34, we're just going to read through the whole thing. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God, who so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Now, if you can recall back before August, we have been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' teaching on what it means to be a disciple, how we are to follow after Him, imitate Him, think like Him, act like Him, speak like Him. In every way, as our master rabbi, we are to try to be like Jesus. And throughout Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, He continues to come back to one kind of central theme the importance of hungering and thirsting after the righteousness of God. And that's really the punchline of this passage here in in verse 33, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And Pastor Tim's going to expound on that next week. But what I want us to do is to just to focus on two truths, two truths that are interrelated, they're they're very closely related, that are going to help us to begin to evaluate why we might be having some fear, anxiety, worry in our lives. I mean, am I the only one here who has fear, anxiety, and worry sometimes? Okay, I can see one other hand. Okay, you and me, sister, we got this. Everyone else has it all together. (sighs) More anxiety. Um, No, this is something that we we all struggle with to different degrees, right? Fear, worry, and anxiety. It's just... It's part of our flesh, it's part of our human nature that these things are going to begin to 
come against us and we're going to focus on it and ooh, the weight, the stress, the whatever, depression that comes over me, all these different things that can come from this when I'm, uh, right? I hope you can relate to that. Because this is exactly what Jesus is pressing into right now. Jesus says, look, I, I get it. I'm human with you guys, and I know what it's like to feel pressure. I know what it's like to have things weighing on me. Jesus gets it. And he's going to tell us his secret of how he's able to get through those periods without sinning so that we can do the same thing. And he explains it here, and he, he gives us two truths, and we're going to take them in the negative first before we look at them in the positive. And here's, here are the two truths. I'm just giving them to you. This is basically what the sermon is all about right here. You can write this down, and you'll be good. Don't check out. Tom. Mm -mm. No. All right, good. Truth number one, a life focused on itself is a life filled with fear and anxiety. Truth number two, a life defined by the world is a life that is filled with fear and anxiety. The selfish life will be filled with fear, and the life that has its identity in the world will be filled with anxiety. In a nutshell, that's what Jesus shows us here. Let's read verses 25 and 31 again, and I want us to pay attention to the pronouns that Jesus uses here, okay? 25 and 31. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Skip down to 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? You see all those pronouns? Who are all those pronouns fixed on, focused on, centered on? Me, right? Jesus makes very clear here that the life that is stricken with overwhelming fear, worry, and anxiety is a life that is highly self-focused. It constantly sees the world through the lens of itself, its needs, its desires, its preferences, its conclusions, its, its goals, its, its plans, its, its way, what it wants, what it thinks it needs. The more we focus on us, the more we're going to be filled with fear, worry, and anxiety when things don't go the way that we want it to. So, that's one of the critical pieces of this whole passage. I'll just say it again so it sinks in. Now, this isn't super deep, but it is super important. The more focused on ourselves we are, the more we will be filled with fear, worry, and anxiety when things don't go the way that we want them to. Think about it. In those moments when you are most overcome with anxious worry and fear, I'll guarantee you that in that moment, all you're doing is thinking about you. Or how the situation affects you or your family or your things. You are still at the center of that. 
Now, let's take this line of thought one step further where we see how the second point plays into this. See that an individual that's focused on themselves will also necessarily have their identity defined by the environment around them. The self-focused individual's identity is going to be defined by the world around them. When someone's pride and selfishness controls them, which is what happens when you're focused on yourself, it's pride and selfishness, your identity, who you think you are, how you define yourself, what you focus your mind on, what you are all about, is going to be shaped by whatever influences your heart, whatever inflames your mind, that pride, that selfishness that is within you, which when you have your eyes on you and the situation around you is going to be the world. And what the world says you should be, what the world says you should have, what the world says you should pursue, what goals you should have. This is what, this is what pride and selfishness does. It, it takes us down so that the influence that we have is horizontal and not vertical. Why is this? Well, since the self-focused individual only really cares about themselves, they'll be constantly seeking to satisfy their own needs through means that they can control, through their own power, through their own strength, through their own ingenuity, their own education, whatever it is. It's all about what they can do. And the way that they do that is by going after the readily available things around them, what the world tells them they should have, or here you go, here it is. We see how this is related here. Over time, we then become so completely dependent on the world that we become defined by the world, finding our identity and behaving just like everyone else living around us according to the standards of the world system. Kind of like an eagle in a barnyard acting like a chicken. Of course, when the self-focused, world-defined individual, which any one of us can be at any given time, doesn't get what we want, what the culture tells us we should have, well, it's in that moment in particular that the fear and worry and anxiety will begin to well up within us. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't just explain this and leave us hanging. In this passage, he gives us the answer for how to rectify this, how to overcome that problem of being self-focused and having our identity in the things of the world. And he tells us, pretty simply, that instead of focusing on ourselves and being defined by the world, we should focus on our Heavenly Father and walk in our identity as His children. Now, I know this is easier said than done. We know that's the answer. 
But guess what, guys? That's the answer. <laughs> and, and, and that is what we should be asking the Holy Spirit to help us to do, help us to be aware. It starts with awareness. Sometimes I'm not even aware of how prideful and selfish I'm being when I'm focusing on me instead of focusing on God. And I'm not even aware of how defined I've become by the things around me instead of who I am as a child of God. So it starts with being aware and then asking the Lord to help you to adjust, get your eyes off of yourself and looking up and being the child of God that you've been created and called to be. Look at verses 26, 30, and 32. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. See what Jesus is doing? He's redirecting off of you onto him. Are you not of more value than they? He's taking the identity, the definition of a person away from out the world and putting it on who the Lord says you are. Why you are valuable is because He's given us value as His children. Verse 30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you? Again, taking the eyes off of us and putting them on God as the provider, as the one who will sustain. Verse 32, your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. It's not on us in our power to do this. The Lord will do this for us as we trust in Him and pursue Him and walk in His ways. That's what Jesus is getting us to try to change our mindset, change our focus, change our identity through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Jesus asks questions throughout this sermon, and in particular here in this section, that are designed to get us to take our eyes off of ourselves and stop the defining pressures of the world and to lift them vertical to heaven where we draw our identity from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords knowing that we have been adopted as sons and daughters of the King. Amen? Jesus wants to remind us that our Heavenly Father is Jehovah Jireh, the provider. That He's full of grace and mercy and love that He will meet our needs not always the way that the world says that they should be met. Let me make that very clear. But that's part of what it means to leave behind the identity of the world and walk as children of God. That might not mean that you have a house of your own or a pantry full of groceries or the job that you've wanted to have. Those are all things that the world says that we should have. Do we realize this? The Lord says, just follow me and I'll take care of you. And I'm going to do that through the family that I've put around you. He says that we are tremendously valued. I would underline that verse. You ever have a day that's just like you're down in the dumps 
Go back and read that verse. Do you realize how valuable we are to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? He made us in His image. We are image bearers of God. And we have been adopted into His family to be His children. The weight of that should blow us over, blow us away. But the world squeezes that out of us so quickly because we get our eyes off of God and onto all of the things that we think that we should have. And He loves us so much that He sent His Son Jesus not only to remind us of this fact like He's doing right here in the Sermon on the Mount, but also to die for us so that we might have eternity with our Heavenly Father, enjoying the station of being a child of God. When we keep our focus on God and on our identity as His children, it's not going to make all anxiety and stress and worry disappear, but it will allow us to get through it and overcome it and not stay there and not get torn down because we have a completely different set of standards that we're working by. We have a completely different definition of what success is. That's given to us from above. And this brings us back to our eagle in the barnyard acting like a chicken. So the naturalist struck a deal to buy the eagle from the farmer. And he was determined that he was going to get this eagle to start acting like an eagle. The first thing that he did was to change the eagle's diet. He stopped giving it chicken feed, started feeding it eagle food, I guess, like stuff that eagles eat. Second, he started taking the eagle out to the tops of high places higher and higher each time, and just giving a little nudge and kind of letting it glide down, wouldn't fly, until eventually he took it up to a high cliff that was a pretty big way, and he was out there giving the eagle a little pep talk, I imagine, I might be, you know, doing a little holy imagination there with that part of the story, right, he's encouraging the eagle, but here's what happens, He's out there, and all of a sudden, he sees another eagle. And as soon as the, his eagle, little chicken eagle, saw the other eagle, it was like, everything clicked for him, and away he went, soaring into the clouds. Our Heavenly Father has bought us with the blood of His Son. And He wants us to behave through the power of the Holy Spirit like the children that we have been called to be. Let's get rid of the chicken scratch junk that we're fed with all the time. Keeping our eyes fixed on the barnyard world. And start getting our eyes up on God, up above, so that we can soar as children of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.